0: Uh, We kicked off uh, last week. Thank you, Avery. I appreciate that. This brand new series where we are focusing on and talking about the freedom that we have in Christ. That what's true for all of us is that we have these things in life that seem or feel inescapable. It might be a sin. It might be a habit. It might be a past. It might be some kind of secret that nobody has ever known about. And no matter how hard we try, we just can't seem to get untangled from whatever that thing is. And so we kind of set the baseline last week that the fullness of life is found in the freedom of Christ. That a life where you feel trapped. A life where I feel trapped is not the life that Jesus died to give us, that he came to give us a full life. And that fullness we set last week is found in the freedom that Christ gives us. Another way that we said it is that you can live full because Christ set you free. Galatians 5.1 is kind of our anchor verse for this series. Will Paul writes, it is for freedom that Christ set us free that he set us free for freedom's sake. He didn't set us free so that we would continue to be enslaved to whatever that thing is. No, but that we would be free, free from the power of sin, free from that unhealthy and destructive habit, free from the darkness and the shame of that secret or that past, free from the critics that want to decide whether or not they approve of you, free from all of that in order to live full. And this is kind of how we closed last week is that Paul kind of finishes out that passage by saying, so stand firm then, stand firm, he says, on the foundation that Christ has set, stand firm. And that word, that phrase stand firm literally means firmly committed in conviction or belief. And so the rest of this series is us unpacking what it looks like practically to live in that freedom that Christ won for us. What does it look like practically to stand firm committed in conviction and belief to the freedom that Christ won for us. Because the reality is this for many of us, is that even though Christ has won us our freedom, we're not living in it. That even though Christ has won us our freedom, we're not committed to the kind of life that is required of us to walk in that freedom. I love what Dallas Willard said. To the general human failing is to want what is right and important but at the same time, not commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know is right and the condition we want to enjoy. That's the tension for so many of us is that we, we know we want and we know how we want life to be different, but we're not committed to the kind of life that will lead to different. You experience this in life all the time. You wanna get in better shape, but you're not committed to eating right and going to the gym. And I'm not throwing shade. I've been donating to the gym for a year and a half. And by donating, I mean I'm giving them my money and I've never been, okay? Like I I get it, I get it. We're just not committed. Or you you want a better dating life but you keep dating the same type of guy. Like you've you've got to be committed to a different outcome. You want better grades but you have a hard time showing up to class in the morning or you're not disciplined with your studying. I mean, studying, we've all, we all have these moments where we, there's things we want different. We know what we ultimately want, but we're not committed to the kind of life that will ultimately lead to the things that we want and the things that we want to enjoy. The same is true for our spiritual lives. I mean, we, we want different, right? I mean, we, we want to not struggle with that same sin anymore. We don't want to struggle with that same insecurity anymore. Well, we don't want to keep wrestling with the same thing over and over and over again, the same jealousy, the same anger, whatever it is, but we aren't committed to what it's going to take for it to be different. We want a different kind of life, but we're not committed to what it would take to get us to a different kind of life. I heard Andy Stanley say when I was in college that direction, not intention, determines your destination. That the path you're actually on, the decisions you're actually making, the things that you're actually thinking, like that's gonna ultimately drive your direction, not just your hope, not just your intention, your actual direction. Here's what some of us need. We need a brand new direction and that needs to start tonight that for so many of you Jesus he set you free. He's put the ball up on the tee, but we are continuing to move in the wrong direction. Jesus has made a new way. He's given us a new way to follow, but we need a new direction. Because our direction it is isn't getting us very far. So what I want to talk to you tonight is that a life committed to the kind of different that's going to lead to the fullness of life that Jesus promised you. You ready? is a commitment to a life of repentance. That's what I wanna talk to you about tonight for a few minutes is repentance. I wanna talk to you about repentance. Now, immediately when I say the word repentance, there might be some negative emotions that flare up inside of you, I get that. My very first image when I hear the word repentance is I went to University of Georgia and I immediately think of those street preachers out at football games on the curb, holding up a sign saying, repent or you're going to go to hell okay that's my first picture of the word repentance our perception of it is negative unfortunately because it's been hijacked and weaponized by religious people for a very very long time but here's what I want to do for just a few minutes is i want to reframe and redefine for you what the word repentance actually means and what i hope you'll find and what i think you will ultimately find is that repentance It's not just some weird religious thing. No, no, it is actually a gift from God. In fact, the fact that we have been set free is the only reason we are even capable of repenting anyway. Here's what repentance literally means. Repentance is a change of mind to turn and to change your direction. Usually when you change your mind, you change your direction, but that's literally what it means to to turn around. That's what repentance means. It's a complete alteration of our basic motivation and the direction of our lives. Some of us need a change in direction because Jesus has set us free and given us a new way and we need to stop following our way and we need to repent. We need to change our direction and follow in the way that Jesus would have for us. I want you to literally imagine you're driving somewhere and you're making a U-turn. Uh, you know, your Google map says make a U-turn or ways, and you make a U-turn. In fact, that's what I'm titling my message tonight, make a U-turn that that's what repentance is and that's what some of us need to do. We're going down the path. This is what I want. This is what I want to do. And we need to make a U-turn. We need to turn around. I want you to imagine going to the gym and then changing your mind halfway there like, ah, I don't think I have it in me tonight. And you turn around. For some of us, we need to change our minds and we need to turn towards Jesus. Here's the thing about repentance is that when you are turning from something, you automatically are turning toward something else. You turn from something, which means you're turning toward something else. And that something in this situation is Jesus. That we need to turn from that sin. We need to turn from that insecurity. We need to turn from whatever that thing is and we need to turn toward Jesus because he's got a new way for us. His will, his way our way will never get us very far and it's never going to leave us very full. And when we continue on in our own direction, the irony is we become enslaved to something even though we've been set free by Jesus. A couple things about repentance. First, repentance is both a one-time thing and a lifelong thing. Repentance is both a one-time event and a lifelong process. First, it's a one-time event. Maybe you never even knew this, that when you first put your faith in Jesus for the first time, that is an act of repentance. You are literally turning to God. You're saying, I can't save myself. My way is not good enough, so I'm gonna turn from my way and I'm going to believe and surrender my life to Jesus. I'm gonna live his way. I'm committed to doing things his way. Repentance, repentance leads to relationship. I want you to write that down. That repentance leads to relationship. Maybe you've never even heard repentance described that way, but when you put your faith in Jesus, that is an act of repentance. A one-time thing and here's the beauty of it it leads to relationship with our heavenly father but then repentance is also a lifelong process and the reason why it's a lifelong process is because we are all flawed individuals repentance is a lifelong process for me and i'm a professional christian because repentance is hey my tendency is to drift into this kind of insecurity to drift into this sin to drift into this way of thinking and repentance is the lifelong process of turning from that sin turning from that insecurity and growing to look more like Jesus in fact repentance it's a sign of spiritual growth and spiritual maturity For every single Jesus follower, I don't care if it's your perfect grandma that cross stitches Bible verses and you hang them over your toilet in your dorm room, every single human being, I'm laughing thinking about that, but every single human being that follows Jesus has to commit to a lifelong process of repentance. And come on, you know this. If you were to take an honest evaluation of your life, every single one of you, including myself, we'd be able to find actions, attitudes, relationships, habits, and beliefs that we need to repent from because it is hindering us from experiencing the fullness of life that Jesus came to give. I don't know what it is for you. Anger, envy, sexual morality, pride, unbelief. I don't know what it is, but what I do know is that it's really easy to identify the things that we need to repent from. However, turning from those things is kind of like steering the Titanic. it's really difficult to do. It's a really, really difficult turn to make for whatever reason. But we could all identify things that we need to repent from, but making that turn is difficult. And I think there's at least, probably more, but at least three reasons why. The first, is that we don't see as God sees. We don't see as God sees. Um, My daughter Harper, um, our two-year-old, which is crazy to think about that, that she's two years old now, it's blowing my mind. We just celebrated her birthday last week, but um, she's in this independence phase of her life where she wants to do things by herself. She wants to try things by herself. She wants to go places by herself. And over and over and over again, I've got to change her direction because I know running out into the street is not gonna go well for her. I know that wanting to go down the stairs by herself is not gonna go well for her. That I know her trying to run, she loves rocks and she loves beds of rocks, but her running on that is not gonna go well for her. Constantly have to change her direction. Why? Because she doesn't see as I see. She's incapable of seeing as I see. Eventually she's gonna see as I see. And when she sees as I see, she's not gonna do the things that she wants to do on her own. If only she could see as I saw, she would not try to stick a penny into an electrical socket. And for you and for me, if only we could have the eyes to see as God sees. I'll tell you what, man, that would flip your life upside down in the best possible way. If you start to see the, way, see the way God sees, one of the reasons why we often don't wanna repent from our sin is because we don't see sin the same way that God sees sin. That for us, it's not that big of a deal. But the reason why God hates sin is not only his offense to his glory, he hates what it did to his son, but he also hates how it ruins your life. And he hates that it suffocates his intimacy with you. If we could see our sin the way God sees our sin, It wouldn't feel like some big brother trying to tell us what to do. It would be a heavenly father that wants what's best for you. If we could see sin the way God sees our sin, I'm telling you, turning might be a little bit easier. If you could see yourself the way God sees yourself, repenting from that insecurity might be just a little bit easier. If you could see the potential that he sees in you, the person that he sees in you, the leader that he sees in you, if you could see what he doesn't see, Oftentimes we look at God and think he sees all the mistakes. Since he knows everything, he sees the past and he's kind of like, he's distancing himself from you. Like like he was socially distancing himself from you before social distance was a thing. You need to know tonight that that's not who God is. That he sees more in you than you see in yourself. And if we could see ourselves the way God sees us, man, turning from that insecurity, turning from that unbelief might be just a little bit easier. So that's one reason why repenting, we're slow to repent or maybe we don't at all, because we don't see as God sees. The second is pride, and maybe a little bit of fear mixed in. And our pride tells us I can handle that sin. I can manage that sin. That's not that big of a deal. Like it's okay, I've got it under control. It's not going to affect me. It's not gonna affect my relationships. It's not gonna affect my relationship with God. And in our pride, we just think that we know better and it's not that big of a deal. I'll keep going in my own direction. I'll be fine. And maybe, maybe for you, Growing up, there's somebody that hurt you. Somebody in the religious community judged you or did something and all of a sudden that hurt calloused into pride and now you just want nothing to do with it. Maybe fear. You're afraid of what someone might think. You don't wanna have to repent because that might show that there's a kink in the armor, that you're not all that you put yourself out there to be. And then the third reason that maybe we don't repent, it's hard work. Like, come on, it, it, sometimes it's just easier not to deal with stuff, right? Sometimes it's just easier to sweep it under the rug. And, and, and for some of you, and this is what scares me if I'm being honest, some of you, some of you just think it's gonna be easier just to deal with the consequences later than, the dea- than to deal with the sin right now. But you need to hear me loud and clear. You are going to regret that so much. That dealing with the consequences of our sin later is gonna be so much harder and so much messier and so much uglier than dealing with it now. But those are just three reasons. In fact, this is a great opportunity. Push pause and talk with your group. Talk with whoever you're watching it with. Why is it that we're slow to repent? Why is it that we're slow to turn from things that we know we don't need to be doing? Why is it that we're so slow to turn from things that we don't need to be thinking? I mean, it could be that you don't see as God sees or pride or fear or it's hard work or maybe something in between. Take a moment right now and just push pause and talk with your group and answer the question. Why is it that we are so slow to turn, to change our mind? See, because here's what's true, is that even though it might be hard work and even though we've got to put aside our pride and maybe get over some fear, I'm telling you, what is on the other side of your repentance is actually a gift. In fact, Luke writes this in Acts chapter three, (coughs) verse 19. In fact, um, you can turn there, Acts, it's the first book right after the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. The same guy that wrote Acts also wrote the gospel of Luke, same guy. In fact, historically, they're kind of found together, Luke, Acts. So here, um, Luke, is writing. And this is what he says uh, Peter is preaching. Chapter three, verse 19, Peter says this, repent then. He's talking to the religious leaders, these Jewish religious leaders. Repent then and turn to God. So right there, the definition of repentance is right there. Repent, turn to God, change your mind, turn to God. And then watch this. This is so cool. So that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Repent, turn to God so that your sins might be wiped out and that you might experience times of refreshing from the Lord. I love that. I love that. We said very first and foremost that repenting um, leads to a relationship but what Peter shows us here, or what Luke shows us here is that repenting also leads to refreshing. Repentance leads to relationship first and foremost. It leads us to a relationship with God, but then it leads to refreshing. What was Peter talking about specifically these religious leaders? He was saying, hey, listen, you need to change your mind about what you think about Jesus. Repent, that, that you don't, you're not believing that Jesus was the Messiah, but I'm here to tell you, you need to repent from that way of thinking and turn to God. Because if you do, he'll wipe out your sins. That's what God does. When you put your faith in Jesus, he wipes out your sins. Not that you're never going to sin again, but that he doesn't let your sin define you anymore. That his grace covers your sin. It's the start of a brand new relationship and a brand new way of relating to God. But then the second part, but also that you might experience times of refreshing from the Lord. Can I just tell you, that the sin that you're struggling with, the sins that I struggle with, is there anything less refreshing than struggling with something that we know is slowly killing us? I mean, come on, that insecurity that you're constantly struggling with, that, that habit, that sexual sin that you're constantly struggling with, the attitude that is constantly changing the way that you see people in the world around you, you're not able to experience any kind of joy. You're always seeing the worst in other people. You are always pessimistic. I mean, come on. There are so many things in our lives that we're enslaved to that is suffocating us. In fact, some of you guys have experienced this in your relationships, that sin will also suffocate your relationships, that, that, that gossip will ruin friendships, you thinking you're superior than will ruin Friendships. In fact, for some of you, you've experienced sexual immorality, ruined relationships and friendships. Here's what's so cool, on the other side of your sin is refreshing, a refreshing life. That sin will kill every good thing in your life. I've said that so many times here at the living room that you're probably tired of hearing it, but I hope you hear it again. Sin will kill every good thing in your life. You name it, I'm telling you, sin will kill it. Which is why repentance is a gift. Repentance is a gift because it is God saying, I wanna give you a new way. I wanna give you a new direction. I don't want sin to suffocate out and kill every good thing in the lives of my children. I sent my son to fix this problem. Repentance is a gift because it leads to refreshing, life-giving relationships, a healthy view of yourself, a healthy view of God. Turn then to God so that you might experience times of refreshing. It's a gift. So the question, the only question that's left to answer then is, well, how do I repent? Samuel, you've said said, turn, turn, turn. How do I repent? Here's how, you ready? I want you to write this down. Here's how you repent. Follow the path of conviction, not the path of condemnation. Write that down. Here's how you repent. Follow the path of conviction, not the path, of condemnation. Conviction and condemnation are two dramatically different things. And the way to repentance is down the path of conviction, but you've got to be weary not to accidentally stumble down the path of condemnation because condemnation is actually a tool of the enemy. And what condemnation whispers is when you do something bad, condemnation says, I am bad. Conviction says, I did bad. Two different things. Condemnation wants to shame you. I am a bad person because of what I did. Conviction is a tool of the Holy Spirit to say, no, 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 what you did was bad. Let's lead you, let's turn, let's change our direction condemnation the enemy will use to tear you down to make you insecure the enemy will use condemnation to tear you down and make you unfit for service to God but conviction conviction is meant to build you up conviction is meant to show you a new way conviction is meant to allow you to step into the purpose that God has for you and not sin continue to derail what he's got for you condemnation leads to isolation because shame I've said this before too shame wants to shut you up and shut others out, that's what shame does. Shame shuts you up and it shuts others out. Shame and condemnation, the same thing. So condemnation will ultimately lead you to isolation, lead you into the darkness, which is exactly what the enemy would want for you. But conviction on the other hand, gives you and I the freedom because grace abounds to live in the light so that darkness doesn't have any power over us anymore. So repentance, repentance, is by following the path of conviction, not the path of condemnation. What does that path look like? That path of conviction has got four markers. And the first is this, you ready? This is how you follow the path of conviction. First, I want you to identify whatever it is that you need to to repent from. That's the first step, identify it identify it. You know what conviction is? I love how the Holy Spirit convicts. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts you. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Not shame, conviction. It's kind of like the sensory nerves on your fingertips. You know when you touch something hot, what do you immediately do? You immediately move your finger because a nerve in your fingertip told you, hey, what you're doing is going to hurt you, so stop doing it. That's how conviction of the Holy Spirit works. Hey, what you're looking at, what you're doing, what you're saying, what you're thinking, that's not gonna be good. I want you to turn from that. That's not going to go well for you. So what do you need to repent from? I'm convinced with all of my heart that right now in this moment, the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart of something that you need to repent from. Right now in this moment, he's bringing something to light that you need to repent from. In fact, this is another great opportunity to push pause on this message and have a conversation. What is the Holy Spirit convicting you of right now? What is the Holy Spirit convicting you of that you need to repent from? The path of conviction first is, let me be attentive to the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna identify that thing that he's trying to show me. And the second, the second is this, turn from it. Change your mind about it. I can't imagine, what if we just had the resolve to say, okay, you know what, I'm gonna change my mind about how I view sin. I'm gonna change my mind about how I view my purity. I'm gonna change my mind about how I view my relationships. I'm gonna change my mind about how I view my own way. And every single day, I'm gonna renew my mind to the reality that God's way is better than my way. That in that moment of tension where what you want to do is against the conviction that the Holy Spirit of God is convicting you to, that you would just say no to you and you would say yes to him. It takes practice and it takes time. But after we identify it, we need to start turning from it we need, to, we need to throw things out. We need to delete numbers. We need to unfollow Instagram accounts. We need to delete his number or her number. We need to stop letting our phone sit right next to us before we go to bed. We need to end some relationships. We need to ask for forgiveness. We need to apologize. Whatever it is we need to do to begin turning from that thing that the Holy Spirit is convicting us to do. And I want you to change your mind about it. And the third, so we can identify it, I want you to turn from it and change your mind about it. Ask God to give you eyes to see as he sees. Then I want you to confess it. Don't let it live in the dark where it's gonna get stronger. We're gonna talk more about that in the rest of the series. Confess it, find a safe person. Maybe it's a couple people and bring them into the struggle. Don't try to wait till you've got it all figured out and be like, oh, can I tell you something that I used to struggle with? You're never gonna get there. You're never gonna get there. Confess it, bring it to the light. Don't let it have any more power over you. Speak it out. It's a lot easier to turn from something when you've brought it to the light. And then last, so we've identified it, we're listening to the Holy Spirit, we're turning from it, we're changing our mind about how we think about sin and asking God to to allow us to see as he sees and taking practical steps to turn. Then we're gonna confess it, we're gonna bring it into the light and then. Here's the fourth step on the path of conviction. I want you to focus on Jesus. I want you to focus on Jesus. I want you to to focus on the author and the perfecter of your faith. I want you to focus on the fact that he died to set you free. I want you to focus on the fact that he doesn't want anything for you that's gonna harm you. He's not trying to rip you off. He's trying to lead you to refreshing, a refreshing life on the other side of your sin. I want you to focus on the Jesus that loves you. I want you to focus on the Jesus that forgives you. I want you to focus on the Jesus that offers you himself and he offers you grace. Because watch this, when you focus on Jesus, repentance no longer is a rule of religion, but it's just a response to grace. Jesus, this is me responding for what you've done for me. This is this is my way of worshiping, to you for what you've done for me. I'm going to turn to you because your way is better than my way. I want your will more than I want my will. I want you to focus on Jesus. So how do you repent? I want you to follow the path of conviction. I want you to identify it. Be attentive to the Holy Spirit. I want you to turn from it. Change your mind about it. See the way God sees. Then I want you to confess it. Bring it into the light. And then focus on Jesus. Put your focus on the one that saved you. Put your focus on the one that offers you grace. And put your focus on the one that will empower you and the one that enables you and I to turn from the things that are going to harm us and destroy us into the one that wants to give us life to The full. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful that repentance is possible, not because of anything we did, but because of what Jesus did. I pray that you would give all of us the courage to look honestly at our life, to to look honestly at our lives, to look honestly at the things we need to repent from. I pray that we would be attentive to the conviction of the Holy Spirit that is speaking to us in this moment, that is speaking to our hearts. I pray we wouldn't brush it off. I pray we wouldn't give it the Heisman. I pray we'd be listening with full and attentive ears and attentive hearts. And I pray, Father, that we would begin to experience the refreshing that is on the other side of us turning from our ways and t- turning to your ways, turning from what we want to turning to what you want for us. I pray you would breathe fresh life into students, fresh life into the hearts of the people watching this, and that by your grace, you might give us the courage and the empowerment to repent from the thing that wants to kill us and turn to the one that wants to give us life. May our focus be on Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray, amen.